Welcome back to the Pearls and Pearls podcast. I'm your host, Peter Kay. In today's episode, I'm going to be speaking more about the concept of daring to be different and embracing your authenticity. Now, this is something that is a lot easier said than done. I know it is not easy to embrace certain aspects of yourself that you may not feel comfortable in or you may not even like about yourself, but I think it's so important for us to have this conversation. Being authentic and embracing your flaws in a world that promotes perfection is very, very hard. Let's be real, it's not easy to embrace the fact you don't have those washboard abs. Perhaps your belly jiggles a little bit more than you want it to jiggle. When you sit down to take a picture, perhaps you have a little bit of a roll there, which quite frankly is quite normal. And I think it can be so difficult for us to really embrace our authentic selves. And when I say authentic self, I'm not just referring to the way that you look and perhaps certain things that you may consider to be a flaw, maybe your smile, your teeth, your your complexion or your skin, your hair. It could even be your feet. It could be your hands. It could be the way you speak, your accent. The funny thing is there's so many different aspects of ourselves that we may not feel comfortable with. It may not necessarily be an appearance thing. It really could be something in your personality or your skill set or just the way that you speak or your presence or your personality. There's so many different aspects that we can feel insecure about if we call a spade a spade. It's not always just about our physical selves and our appearance. And I really wanted to have this conversation because it's something that has been on my mind of late. And I wanted to have this conversation because I know that I have struggled with this in different aspects, which I will share today. But I also know that a lot of people are battling with it. I recently completed a book called Yinka, Where Is Your Husband? And it was a really, really good book. It's definitely something for me that there's certain aspects I could relate to, not necessarily the the family pressure about getting married at a certain age. I don't want to give the story of the book away too much, but it mainly centers around the main character, Yinka, who is, I believe, 32. She's unmarried, her younger sister's married, and she's at that stage where she's starting to feel the pressure from her family to get married, to settle down. A classic question that she gets asked a lot is, where is her husband? You know, at family gatherings, her auntie's asking her, her mum's asking her. And if you've ever been in a situation like that, maybe your family is similar and you get that pressure to get married or settle down or have children or start excelling in your career, perhaps you could somehow relate to the book. I finished the book yesterday and I really, really enjoyed it. As much as I couldn't relate to some of the things that was discussed, there were certain aspects that I could relate to that were quite nostalgic. I liked the fact that the book was set in London. So even some of the places that were spoken about are places that I've been to. And for me, I really enjoyed it. It was a really good read. And the fact I finished it in a probably, I think it was three to four days, shows how much I enjoyed reading the book. It was nice. It was relatable. I definitely recommend checking the book out. I will put the link to where you can grab it if you're interested in the description. It's not sponsored. I just enjoyed the book. And I think when I like something, why not speak positively about it? I think sometimes we're so quick to speak about things we're dissatisfied with. But when there are things that we do like, we don't often share or speak about those things. So I thought, let me speak about it. One of the sad realities about the society that we live in is the fact that there are industries in society that thrives on our insecurities. There are industries in the society that are billion dollar industries that literally thrive and make money and develop products and services based on our insecurities. There are also industries that fuel those insecurities that we have. So it's quite interesting when you really think about it that way. So I wanted to share some statistics with you 
about the cosmetic industry. So in 2021, the global revenue of the cosmetic industry was 80.74 billion US dollars. Now this is not pocket change, this is a lot of money. I think sometimes when we hear about billion, it's becoming so common speaking about billionaires and billion dollars as much as most of us will never see that in our lifetime. I don't think we can truly comprehend how much money a billion is especially when you multiply that by 80.7. Bearing in mind, we've come through a pandemic at this time. So probably, I'm not sure what the previous year was, I would assume that it's probably a little bit less in terms of revenue compared to, let's say, 2019 or 2018 prior to the pandemic. But it was very interesting for me to see that. And if we just break it down a little bit more, the makeup share of the cosmetic industry is 16%, which is quite, it's quite high. It's almost 20% of the cosmetic industry is made up by makeup and makeup products and makeup brands. Also, the forecasted market value of skincare in general across the world is 145.2 billion US dollars. Now, these statistics I got from Statista. So if you want to check it out, I'll probably link them also in the show notes so you can check that out in your own time. But just reading this, it really put things into perspective for me. This is a lot of money. And if you think about most cosmetic products are usually things we don't actually need. <laughs> we only really need the basics, something that's going to cleanse your face, something that's going to moisturize your face, a toner, etc. A lot of the things that we use even in our skincare are actually things we don't really need, but that's for another day. Um, so it's quite interesting to see just how much money we are spending as a world on these things. I also want to share the cosmetic surgery market globally as well. So that was valued at 50.67 billion in 2018. And it's actually projected to grow to 66.96 billion by 2026. This statistic I found on Fortune Business Insights. To be honest, these statistics didn't surprise me. I actually thought that the numbers would be a lot higher, uh, but maybe I was just being a bit <laughs> dramatic. But I, what I find most interesting is the fact that these industries are growing now based on what our society is like now. And I do feel that as we are progressing as a society, we are becoming more and more superficial we are becoming more pressured to look a certain way so i can only imagine let's say over the next 20 years what the industry is going to be worth i think it's probably going to be 10 times more what it is now and the reason i say this is because when i look at the generation that's younger than me they are so much more consumed with the way that they look you have young girls who are 10 12 already wanting to get surgery, already wanting to alter their bodies, get BBL. Some of them have not even gone through puberty yet, but they're already feeling that pressure to look a certain way. And as we know, the beauty standard is always changing. And this is very subjective depending on the community that you're in. If you're part of, let's say, the black community, the beauty standard is slightly different. If you are white European, again, the British standard is probably different. If you live maybe in France or another European country, the beauty standard may be different. If you live in an Asian country, the beauty standard is different everywhere we go. I think we can all 
agree with that. It's not always a universal thing, but I do feel that society and also the communities that we are in close contact with really do have an impact on how we feel about ourselves and also how we carry ourselves as we navigate life. I really worry about the next generation because I felt that growing up it was hard and there was pressure to look a certain way and there were times when I hated my body because I wasn't as skinny as some of my friends. I was always bigger than all my friends. I always, I was never skinny. <laughs> I've always been a big girl. I've never been skinny. So for me, growing up was hard at times when I would compare myself to other people and they were a lot slimmer. And at that time, being more curvy was not really celebrated as much. Of course, time has changed now. And in some communities, like I said before, being more voluptuous, being more curvy is celebrated. People are breaking their backs to look a certain way, have that big bum, have the big breasts with a small waist. In some aspects, some cultures, that is the ideal, right? So for me, I found growing up hard. I felt that there was pressure at times to look a certain way. I was insecure. Um, even there was moments I was insecure about my skin. I felt I was too dark and I wanted to be lighter because when I was young, a lot younger, I was very light. But as I got older, I, my skin started to darken. And there were even times where I wished out, oh, why did I get darker? And I kind of felt a sense of at a disadvantage, if that makes sense. And then that's actually one of the things I could relate to about the main character in the book I read, Yinka, Where Is Your Husband? But anyways, getting back on topic. Yeah, so for me, I felt a sense of pressure and I'm sure maybe most of you could agree with the same thing. So imagine that pressure we felt when social media at its height only probably came around more so when I was, say, in secondary school, so like 13. So primary school, I never had any access to any social media. To be fair, I don't think there was anything then. But probably year eight or year nine, so that's what, 13 to 14, that's when social media started to, ve to develop more. At the time, it was more MySpace. And even with that, the way that that was set up, it wasn't so much like how we have our social media today. I never really felt a sense of pressure to look a certain way from how social media was at that time. But where it's become so much more personalized, it's more curating your own space, it's definitely created more of a environment where perfection is what we put forward. And yeah, so even for me growing up with social media, at that time, I wouldn't say that I felt pressure from social media to look a certain way because how the social media back then was set up was completely different to how it is now. If I was 13, 14 growing up with Instagram or with TikTok, I guess that may be different for me. But with things like MySpace, we had Bebo as well. There's something called profile pic where you can make your own space. I think even actually more so profile pic and Bebo, that kind of paved the way a little bit more for things like Instagram because there you'd set up your page, you'd have your picture, you'd write about yourself and you'd even, I'd even, I remember seeing some of my friends like reading their Bebo's and I'd be thinking, that sounds nothing like you girl. <laughs> so I guess that kind of paved the way for social media for where it is right now and that was a sense of pressure. You wanted your, your Bebo, your profile to look good. You wanted people to like you and add you. So imagining that pressure that I felt then, which to be fair, when I think about it now, wasn't much. In comparison to thinking about what would it have been like for me at 13, 14, with the insecurities I had to grow up heavily involved with social media, even if it's just as a viewer and consumer, not necessarily posting anything, but just following people. 
that would have been tough and this is why i worry about the next generation because we are having a generation that is more depressed more stressed dealing with more mental health issues more anxiety and even though we're at a stage in most societies where speaking about mental health isn't so much a taboo we're speaking a little bit more in our conversations about getting therapy um people are you know sharing oh i've got therapy and it's not so much a taboo thing anymore we're still seeing that younger people in their let's say early teens and their early 20s are a lot more stressed anxious insecure than we were 10 20 years ago so this is why i worry for the next generation because the pressure is only going to increase social media is just going to keep growing and snowballing into something bigger and of course it's going to evolve even more so and this is why i worry i really do worry for the next generation because like i said there are industries in society that thrive off of our insecurities that grow and even pump certain insecurities because they profit from us not liking certain things about ourselves now i'm not saying that you should now chuck all your makeup in the bin get rid of every cosmetic product that you own i don't think that the cosmetic industry is bad and I don't think that wearing makeup is a bad thing. I'm more of a natural babe, that's just who I am. But even at times, I have felt a pressure from certain people that I need to do myself up a bit more. I need to wear, wear makeup a bit more and have this look that a lot of black girls have. But then when I really think about it, that's not who I am. I'm not a makeup girl. You know, I had a stage in my life where I wore makeup when I was like 14, 15, a lot. And it's crazy when I think about it now because I wore it then because I was insecure. I was 14, like what was I doing wearing makeup? <laughs> and when I think about it now, it was more of a security blanket at that time. I wanted to look a certain way and I felt that makeup would help me to achieve that. But for me now, at the stage of my life that I'm at, I feel confident going out with no makeup. Perhaps that's because I have predominantly nice skin most days. You know, I don't really have spots and I don't suffer with acne or anything like that. And for me, going through some of the insecurities that I did growing up, not liking my skin, thinking I was ugly, being at the stage of my life where I'm comfortable with my own skin, I could happily go out with no makeup. Sometimes when I go out on dates with my husband, I don't even wear makeup. The man don't care. He doesn't even, one, like he's not even bothered about makeup anyway. And even sometimes it's like, I, you know, I don't care about this. So for me, when I do wear makeup, it's not even for him, it's for myself. It's just, you know, you wanna switch up your look sometimes. So the point I'm trying to make, cause I feel like I've waffled a little bit, is that for me, it's very important for me to love myself outside of that. And I do, I've gotten to a stage in my life where I do love myself without makeup. And now even when I do wear makeup, I don't feel uncomfortable when I don't have it. Whereas this wasn't the case before. So that's the point I was trying to make. So. I've felt that pressure at times from certain people. I don't necessarily think they've done that to be malicious, but again, sometimes just in passing comment, people were always trying to quote unquote help people to be better. And sometimes in doing so, we enforce our own ideals, we enforce our own opinions, even when people don't really ask, but we'll save that for another <laughs> another episode. But I just think it's so important for us to learn to embrace our quirks, our flaws, those little things about yourself that makes you different, that makes you unique. And it's just so sad when I see young girls already hating themselves, already worried about their weight. And quite often these are young girls that they've got no weight issues physically. They are, they're at a healthy weight. They don't, they're not necessarily overweight or obese or anything like that. But there's already that worry about 
their looks. And it's just so sad because those insecurities are just going to continue to grow if they are not taught directly how to love themselves, how to build up their self-confidence. Those insecurities are just going to snowball into adulthood and it may even lead to other issues. This is the part that really just makes me sad when I think about this generation. I just think, oh, it was hard for me. So imagine those coming up now is even harder. It's just very sad. And working in the industry that I work in, in my nine to five, I see that I work in a health company. So I see that a lot of people are struggling with depression, with anxiety. And a lot of these people are very young. I'm 27. A lot of them are younger than me. And I just think, wow, like what, what is it that is causing us to be this sad and depressed? And quite often you may look at some of these people and think, oh, wow, like they're beautiful. They're stunning. Aesthetically, they look like the ideal, but for many, they hate themselves and it's just very as much as society and our community dictates what the norm looks like this isn't just solely about the way that we look it's also career relationships finances our appearance society and our community dictates where we should be at a certain level maybe by 30 you need to have accomplished x y and z by 40 you need to be here in your life and if you are not at the standard of where society says you should be It can often feel like you failed. You can feel like you're behind. You can feel like everyone's doing this, but I'm not. And I think it's so important to be grounded in yourself. When I was younger, I always had this idea in my mind that adults are mature. They know who they are. They're confident in themselves, you know, and as you get older, that develops more. But as I started working when I was about 17, 18, and I started to interact with more adults and being around them more and actually seeing the human side to adults because I guess with your parents you don't really see them as human you see them as your parents you don't you know necessarily give them the same grace as you would other people so seeing that a lot of the adults I worked with were very insecure they were still figuring life out themselves and I'd think in my mind but oh but this person's like in their 40s how, how are they still figuring out life and as I get older I've started to understand that We're all on a journey. We're all on a journey and your age does not dictate your level of maturity. And that's facts. There are people that may be three times your age that lack the maturity that you have. And you may have someone that's really young that's very mature. And I've started to understand that age does not bring maturity. Maturity is a mindset. Maturity is you learning from the experiences you go through and also learning from other people's experiences too. So that's when I started to kind of understand a bit more because in my head, I just thought, oh, you know, adults are confident in themselves, but no, they're not. I have worked with people that were way older than me and I was shocked, scandalized (laughs) by their behavior, by their approach to certain things. And I just think it's so important to be grounded in who you are. It really does take courage to be defined, to embrace your authentic self, to be who you really are. If we speak about career, sometimes depending on the field you work in, you may feel a sense of you have to be a certain way. You have to dress a certain way. You need to have your work personality that carries themselves in a certain way, that makes certain jokes, that they're part of the culture. And perhaps there's a side of yourself that you kind of put in a box. You know, your true self, you you unlock after you leave work. (laughs) But during your nine to five hours or whatever hours you work, you've got your work personality on, you've got your work hat on, you've got your career ladder hat on. And while I think, of course, we need to be professional, sometimes we box in certain aspects of our personality as being unprofessional, but it's not. It's just your personality, it's just who you are. And I think it's just very sad when we feel that we need to be a certain way. And of course, sometimes there is a clear evidence that 
in order for you to excel in some industries, you do need to present yourself in a certain way. I'm not going to deny the fact that there is that, which is why I say that it takes courage to be yourself. It takes courage to be authentic. It's hard. It's not easy. If it was easy, everyone would do it, but they don't. They don't, unfortunately. It's a sad reality to know that so many of us are suppressing our authentic selves, our hobbies, our interests, our dreams, not only in the workplace, but also in our day-to-day lives. So many of us are suppressing our authentic selves when it comes to dating. We're not presenting who we truly are because we want to be liked, we want to be accepted. And so we're presenting ourselves in a way that we think the person we're dating or the people we're dating are going to like us if we present ourselves in that aspect. And it's just sad. It's soul draining to suppress who you are. I've been fake (laughs) at points in my life where I was someone who, when I really looked at it, it wasn't who I was. I was doing certain things and presenting myself in a certain way because I wanted to be accepted. I wanted to be liked. But that was very draining for my soul because that wasn't who I was. I wasn't happy. And And you know when you're being fake. You know when you're not being true to yourself. And this is what makes me sad. So many of us are suppressing our true hobbies maybe there's things that you like to do but because it's not the norm because it's not what everyone likes you suppress those things you don't nurture your dreams perhaps because your dream is not the ideal maybe your dream is different maybe your dream is not something that is commonly done and as a result you box it in and I know that is hard some of the decisions that I've made in relation to my career have been tough have been difficult have had their consequences And one point that I really wanted to emphasize is this, don't dim your light out of fear. We're all unique. We all have things that makes us different. And this is what makes life interesting. The fact that we're not all the same. We don't all speak the same. We don't all think the same. We don't all have the same sense of humor. We all have something that makes us different. That is our unique selling point, if we put it that way. We all have that aspect. So many of us are not happy within ourselves because we're not being true to who we are. We're not being true to the things that we actually want to do for ourselves. And it's sad. I say it's sad because I've been there. The ability to embrace your authenticity and show up as yourself in different spaces is really a superpower. Because like I said, not everyone can do it. It's hard. It requires grit. It requires you going against the grain, even though you know that you may be criticised. But one thing that I think it's so important to know is that your authenticity, your essence and your personality, that's what makes you unique. That's what makes you different. And even speaking more about myself, one of the things that I noticed when I started my business that people were attracted to was my personality. When I showed up on my social media, I was myself. Sometimes I'd record my videos on my and that I'd share on my stories and I would just speak freely like me. I wasn't putting on my social media self. I was being myself on this podcast and myself, you know, and I've learned with time that it pays to be yourself because it makes you different. So many people are trying to be the same way and it's boring. So people are often attracted to authenticity. When you think about if you're someone that likes watching blogs or vlogs or people's story times, even though, you know, some of them story times are fake. If you're someone that spends a lot of time on YouTube and you like listening to people talking about their lives and sharing certain things, it's because you like that authenticity factor. You like knowing more about that person, you know, their struggles, what they've been through. And I think it's important for us to be ourselves because that can even be the thing that sets you apart. 
being yourself really does pay off of course it's difficult there will be challenges but I do believe that when we are walking in our purpose and who we truly are as people there's just something different about us it gives us an edge and I've seen that in my own personal life I've had people say certain things to me about how I am I'm like oh wow I'm just being myself I remember when I first started my podcast back when I I never posted it (laughs) and it was kind of a hidden project um I remember someone saying to me oh you've got a really nice voice like a really soothing voice I like listening to you is actually it's really pleasant I'm like oh really because when I started podcasts I didn't start it because I thought I have a good speaking voice or I have a voice that people want to listen to I never thought that at all but her saying that to me was like oh wow okay I didn't even recognize that in myself and for me it showed me wow you know I have talents that I didn't realize that I had but I guess this comes with us stepping out of our box stepping out of our comfort zone which we all know is very difficult but it pays it really really does pay off I wanted to share with you guys my own experience in relation to this topic as an entrepreneur and now a content creator when I started my coaching business I would have never called myself a content creator but that's actually what I am I create content on my social media platform so I am now a content creator And even my podcast, I'm a podcaster too. I wouldn't have really classified myself as that, but that's one of the things that I do. And I do feel as a content creator that sometimes there's this hidden pressure to create content that is sensationalizing, that people are going to want to share. Clickbait content, (laughs) basically. And sometimes it's hard when, you know, you put your heart and your soul into something. You think, oh, this is a great piece of content. This is so useful, so helpful. And then you look at the likes and it's like, well, 20 likes, hello. I spent like an hour creating this. I put my time, my effort into it. But something I have to remind myself, and I'm not gonna lie to you, there's been times where I felt, you know what, maybe I should just create that content that people are gonna wanna share, that sensationalized content, that clickbait content, that um, trendy content. Maybe I should just do that. But then I have to remind myself and I have to even say to myself, but that's not who I am. I want to enjoy the content I create. I want to create content that I'm happy with, not just content that I feel that people are going to like and people are going to share. That's going to go viral. Like, I don't want to do that because that's not who I am. I don't want to just do things for the likes. I genuinely want to create content that is going to be useful, that people are actually going to find value in. So I think even with that, sometimes it's hard because you may put your heart and soul into something and then it doesn't get the feedback that you are expecting or it doesn't bang (laughs) if if I put it that way it doesn't have the effect that you wanted it to have and even with that it can make you feel like maybe I need to start doing what everyone else is doing but like I said I have to remind myself why I create content and what is my aim and my goal I want to create content that adds value to people content that actually people can learn from I don't want to just create clickbait content hello like no what's the point what is the point of that So it is hard, I'm not going to lie to you. Even sometimes with my business, I feel like what I'm doing is so helpful. What I'm doing is something that really is life-changing. The other day I was speaking to one of my clients from 2020 and she was sharing with me that, you know, she's recently paid off her debt. And that made me so happy to know because when we first had one of our first sessions, she had debt and at the rate she was paying her debt, it was going to take her a good three years to clear her debt. So the fact she was able to do that in just under two years after us working together that made me so happy seeing the impact that my work has had on people's lives people that I've worked with it really keeps me going 
Because if I'm just being driven by the numbers, trust me, guys, I would have went back to my managerial nine to five <laughs> because I've not made the money that I want to make just yet. I've made money, yes. It's not where I want it to be yet. But one of the things that keeps me going is knowing that I'm having an impact, knowing that my work means something. That's one of the things that really keeps me going. And I just think it's important for us to be grounded in something much more than just people liking us or accepting us. You have to like and accept yourself too. But like I said, I know it's not easy. Daring to be different, embracing your authenticity is is not easy. It's hard. It's very, very hard. And I feel like it's only going to get harder and harder with time, unfortunately. But ultimately, the decision is going to align with us. Are we going to be true to who we are? Or are we going to just be who everybody else wants us to be? And I feel like if that's the case, we're just going to be unhappy. We're just going to constantly be evolving into who people want us to be. And unfortunately, when that's the case, you're the one that's going to be unhappy with your life. So I want to remind you as well, no matter how quirky you feel you may be or weird or different or whatever, there's always going to be people that are going to like you and love you for who you are. So don't feel that you need to be a certain way because that is the way that's going to get you accepted. Be true to who you are. And I just think whatever is good for your soul, do that. I won't say whatever feels good, do that, because sometimes what feels good is not good for us. I really do think whatever is good for your soul, what is going to be best for the, the condition of your soul, your inner, you know, spirit, do that. I won't say whatever feels good, because sometimes what feels good is not healthy for us, but whatever is good for your soul, do that. God has made us all unique for a reason, and it's just so sad that we are just trying to be like everybody else, like be true to who you are, embrace, embrace you, love on you. And I think that is definitely a journey. It's a process. It takes time. It's not easy. And something I want to invite you all to before I forget on Saturday, the 30th of April, I'm going to be having a money management made simple virtual workshop. So Saturday, the 30th of April, it's going to be at 5 p.m. BST, a 75 minute workshop where I'm going to be breaking down the money management essentials. You need to take control of your finances. So I'll be covering three main areas, vision and goal setting, money mindset and habits, money management essentials. And some of those topics will include things like budgeting, credit, debt, saving and investing. So if this is an area that you really want to invest in becoming better at, listen, let's be real. Life is getting more and more expensive. The cost of living is ridiculous at this point. And unfortunately, it's going to keep getting more and more expensive. So I think it's so important for us to take control of our finances in the best way that we can. And this is why I'm doing this workshop. So if you want to grab a ticket, the link will be in the show notes where you can grab your ticket. Tickets cost £15 and it's a small investment into yourself, into your personal development. So grab a ticket and if for any reason you're unable to make it on that day, if you have a ticket, you'll also be sent a copy of the recording. So you'll be able to go over that, go over the content. So it's going to be great. So definitely grab a ticket, tell a friend to tell a friend. I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode with something a little bit different, but this was something on my heart that I really, really wanted to speak about. So I hope you enjoyed the episode. I hope that you took something away. I'd love to know what sort of topics you want me to cover this year of 2022. Um, Don't be shy. Feel free to reach out by email or DM. Thank you once again for listening to the episode. If you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, you already know what to do. Give us a rating, leave a review. I'd honestly love to know your thoughts. I hope you enjoy the rest of your week and I will be back with you in the next episode.